Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human and my topic today is the art of possibility and amazement. And this actually comes from two books that are uh, um, are quite amazing. The one is The Art of Possibility by Rosmond and Benjamin Zander. And Benjamin Zander was the Philharmonic, he's the head of the Philharmonic um, Orchestra in Boston. And The Art of Amazement by Rabbi Alexander Seinfeld. Both are amazing. I had thought of this, the possibility and amazement, and then suddenly I remembered these books, and I really enjoyed reading them again. So we've got a few YouTubes during the show to on Benjamin Zander and on by Rosamund uh, Sander, and I hope you enjoy them. If we don't finish them all, please look up uh, them on your own YouTubes, Benjamin Zander and Rosamund Zander. And then at the song at the end, we've got Whitney Houston, Only One Moment in Time, which I adore. Now, Albert Einstein said, The fairest thing we can experience is the mysterious. It is the fundamental emotion which stands at the cradle of true art and true science. He who knows it not and can no longer wonder, no longer feel amazement, is as good as dead, a snuffed-out candle. Well, since January, I've had the absolute privilege and pleasure of having my youngest granddaughter from Israel staying with us. She arrived with her parents to celebrate her first birthday and um, with the family in South Africa. And due to unforeseen circumstances, she has had to stay on with her mom. Has this period been stress-free? Far from it. However... I choose to tell you how these past few months, watching a little person go from a baby to a very curious little toddler and mimic, has reopened my eyes to the wonder and the amazement of the universe. I have watched in total awe at the marvel of creation and all the potentialities open to her. Um, you know, Carl Rogers talks about the freedom to learn, and this is exactly what I have noticed in her. It's the freedom to learn when we don't put any uh, um, halts on her way. Obviously, for safety, you've got to. But it's for me, it's a sense of amazement of, of the possibility, and redefining meaning is what I've been doing. And I was also so unaware that I had forgotten how the spontaneous laughter generates so many wonderful feelings in the body and we have certainly laughed a lot as she has begun to explore more and more i have re-looked at so much through her eyes and noticed the beauty all around us so often we actually forget the everyday things the mundane we 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 just pass them by and the first time the raindrops fell, I took her out to feel them on her head. My husband and I stood there with the raindrops falling on our heads and her head, and she loved every moment of it. She also loves going into the fairy garden and feeling the wind in her hair and seeing it in the trees. 
Just yesterday I watched in awe as she sat watching little ants, tiny little ants, which you and I know are nuisances, eating a breadcrumb on the kitchen floor. Well, she put her hand out to touch it and then thought better of it and sat down and she was absorbed in watching them. I must admit, I actually then sat down and watched them with her. And I was absolutely taken back at their uniformity and their commitment to their task. It was so good to see. The other thing that I noticed through her, and in, which is another sense that I, I had probably blocked off, was the sound of birds constantly on their bird tray. And as she sits in her feeding tray, she watches the bird tray and watches all the birds. And then the hardy does. Every time she hears the hardy does, she jumps. Now, I had actually begun to think we hadn't had hardy does for a while, but obviously I had just forgotten to jump when I heard them. You know, it takes a village to raise a child, as is the African saying. And it definitely is in the connection of family, of friends, of community, loyal staff, that our blessings can be counted. How lonely life must be to walk through it on our own. You know, uh, Einstein also said, a human being is part of a whole, called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of a prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for just a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. And that is encompassing a whole, which I think is quite amazing. And it's living with a connection, be it in a family, a community. It means we can't uh, escape being a part of the joys and sorrows, of the ups and downs. But we can choose to either be an active participant or a silent listener and bystander. And this is our choice. Are we going to contribute to life or are we going to expect life to contribute to us and wait while life actually just simply passes us by? It is in the attitude we take to to life. And I have a wonderful story that I've often told of a woman at Alzheimer, uh, with Alzheimer's at a retirement village. And I was moving my mom into, it was many years ago, I was moving my mom into, my mom-in-law, with my sister-in-law into frail care. And I was pushing her uh, a suitcase with her walker. Uh, the suitcase was on top of the walker with blankets, with pillows, with everything else. And I got a bit lost going to frail care. And uh, I saw a woman, very nicely dressed woman, smiling at me. And as she saw me, she stopped and she said, hello, dear. And I said, hello, I wonder if you could tell me where ward such and such is. And she said, she looked at me and with this big smile on her face and she said, I have no idea, uh, dear. I don't, I don't know where it is. And just then one of the nurses came out and she said, Oh, don't worry about her. She's got no idea who she is. She, um, she doesn't even know who, uh, where she lives. And just then this woman turned to me and she said, but I do like your walker. 
And I thought, well, that is attitude. Here, perhaps she didn't know where she was, but she still reached out to me with something positive to say. What a fantastic choice that she actually made then. Um, you know, we are challenged to actually look at this time of life as a demand quality of life, to become what we were created to be. And to ask each day, how have I contributed to life today or to this week? In one of the, the YouTubes, you will actually heard this also being discussed, the contribution that we have to be contributors to life, not simply takers. And um, this woman showed me exactly that. She showed me that we can still participate in life even if we are not aware that we actually are participating in life. And what pity that the nurse actually had forgotten to realize the beauty in an attitude like that. Now, when you listen to the um, YouTubes, I just want to tell you a bit about uh, the people that you'll be listening to, but I'll go on shortly. Victor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday for Finding Human as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. You're going to be listening to a YouTube now. On the Art of Possibility by um, Benjamin Zander. And Benjamin Zander is the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic uh, Orchestra. And you'll hear what he has to say. Um, I'm not sure if this is the one that's with his wife, who's uh, Rosamund Zander, who's an executive coach, a family therapist, and a private practitioner. The book is called The Art of Possibility, and The Art of Possibility is a practice I want to give you a story. Two shoe salesmen were sent from Manchester to, to Africa in the 1900s to discover if they could sell shoes. One of them wrote a telegram back saying, situation hopeless, they don't wear shoes. The other one wrote, glorious opportunity, they don't have any shoes yet. Now, those two telegrams come from different places. Situation hopeless, they don't wear shoes. That goes along with the whole language. If it's not possible, it can't be done, others are better. It's the place for competition, for success, for failure, for all those things that we measure in what we call the downward spiral. The other Statement lives over here. I have to get a red pencil. The other one lives over here. S glorious opportunity. They don't have any shoes yet. And that goes with a different language and also a different body language. Situation hopeless. They don't have any shoes. Glorious opportunity. They don't have any shoes yet. Those two worlds are completely distinct worlds. Now, in this world, possibility lives as luck. We might have it, we might not. Over here, possibility is the norm. Spirituality is the norm. They are totally separate, different worlds. 
and the shoe salesman, the two of them, have conditions that are identical. The conditions don't matter. What matters is the words that they speak and the expression that they make. My father used to say, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate clothing. <laughs> so that is a way of experiencing that in that. There is no recession so great that it precludes possibility, and there is no wealth and power and fame that will protect you from falling into the downward spiral. So it's available for everybody. There's a lot of complaining going on right at the moment during the financial meltdown, as they call it. I want to tell you a little story about my father who came from Germany in 1937 having lost everything all his belongings, his mother killed in Auschwitz, 14 other members of the family killed. He lost everything, his house, his belongings, his money, his profession, everything. And he came to England with four children to support and a wife. And incidentally, I never heard him complain at all. I said, aren't you angry? And he said, ah, I discovered a person can't live a life under the shadow of bitterness. He was then interned in a camp for two years on the Isle of Man. And there there were many people, 2,000 men living in tents in a state of terrible upset, having lost, like he, everything in a foreign country, in war and uncertainty and different language and horrendous situation. And most of them were in a state of total depression, staring at the barbed wire fence the whole day. And my father said, there are a lot of intelligent people here. We should start a university. And they did. And 40 classes met regularly. There were no books. There was no chalk. There was no paper. There was no blackboard. And they had 40 classes. Yesterday at the reception, I met a gentleman who said, my father was in that university. So it isn't the circumstances that are crucial. It's what we say about the circumstances that matter. And we can either decide to live here or over there. This is the first morning of the World Economic Forum, and now we know that we can make a choice, and so my invitation is that we make the choice not over here, but over here. We can choose and we can spend the week in that discussion. This is a matter of leadership. Leadership in the sense that every time you open your mouth, you are being a leader. You have a choice in leadership, whether you speak over here or speak over here. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, I'm back again. This is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And um, that was um, Benjamin Zander talking. And I thought it was quite appropriate for today, especially with the Israel elections on. So, you know, I think we need to understand what the Talmud says. We see things not as they are, but as we are. And I think so often we get stuck in the negative. We fluctuate between positive and ne negative. But often, unfortunately, what really draws us is the negative. How often have we gone shopping and been greeted by a few people we know and we've stopped and we've chatted to them and said hello? And one person might appear to ignore us. We think they might have ignored us. Maybe they just went around the, the uh, counter or, I mean, the aisle or, or maybe they did ignore us. So what? Do we choose to remember how nice it was to be greeted 
by the people who did greet us and how we enjoyed chatting to them? Or do we get stuck on the one who ignored us? If I have to be honest with myself, I do recognize that so often we come away, I come away stuck. Oh, oh, I should have said such and such. I didn't do it. I, I should have, but I didn't. And this is the same with our successes. We often think successes are just simply luck. Well, there's no such thing as luck. What do they say? Uh, um, there's no such thing as coincidences. It's God's way of remaining anonymous. Well, successes is our way of putting in effort. But we are inclined to remember our failures, and they so often haunt us. They pull us down. Um, we give too much thought to what is missing rather than what we already have. We hand over our life to someone else and give up our own energy. We let them decide for us how we're going to spend the day. And I had an incident just last week, which was which was a very unpleasant incident, in a, a major shopping centre, in a in a lift. And um, I, I got into this lift in all uh, sincerity, thinking I was doing the right thing, and um, I, I, unfortunately I was accosted there. We'll come back to that story shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with you. And my topic today is the art of possibility and of amazement. Go in and make a difference, she used to say. Years later, her words were echoed by Viktor Frankl when uh, when he talked about uh, self-distancing, looking at yourself from a distance and uh, calling to serve others. Well, that was that was fine, and the wisdom of my mom's words have challenged me so often, and I have heard and I. Uh, they've also helped me to connect in so many ways with other people and with myself. However, when teaching my own children and grandchildren, I add, be still for a moment and pick up any clues that the universe is sending you, whether they are silent or heard. I believe, quite honestly, that to be too selfless is to sabotage ourselves and our own unique spark. Every stage of life has its challenges. We get knocked down and have to stand up again. And this is certainly never easy. Einstein also said there's only one road to true human greatness, and that is through the school of hard knocks. Well, we have to stand up again. There's nothing to protect us from the pain. And it's like a child learning to walk falling down, knocking themselves against many unseen objects. And yet the determination drives them on and to to greater things, to moving forward to the potentialities that are open and the possibilities. And it was that way with my voice, just to end that little story. You can hear I'm still a little bit hoarse, but it was once I actually took control of the situation phoned uh, head office of the center, phoned different places and actually complained and reported this this um, predator in the store that my voice began to come back to me. And we have to actually speak out. This to me is being a, pot- a, pot- oh, can't get the word out, participant 
in my life of actually not letting someone else decide what my fate is. Now, what about recognition? How can we help people to actually feel that they are worthwhile? We need to self-empower people too. A baby's primary need, one of their primary needs, is for recognition. They know, do, have you ever noticed how a baby stares and stares at the carer's face until eventually the carer looks at them and, and smiles and the baby gradually learns to smile back. But their eyes never lose, never move from that person's face. They're waiting for that recognition, I'm sure. I've told the story before about an orphanage in China where um, the children at the beginning of the ward, their cots were at the beginning of the ward, were, were it's, they really strived, they, they thrived and were doing so incredibly well. But as the cots became further away from the, the entrance of the ward, those babies were slow to thrive. And the researchers noticed what was happening, that as people arrived in the morning, the, the staff, they would greet the babies at the beginning of the ward with enthusiasm and, and recognize for them what they were doing and what have you. But towards the end of the ward, the, the, the people entering the carers, the, the people looking after the children were tired and they didn't respond to the babies uh, adequately. And these babies were lethargic. And um, I, I actually believe that we need to see that each person needs that bit of recognition from us, whether it's the beggar on the street, whether it's the person packing our, our trolleys, where, wherever we are or showing us the car guards, whoever it is, we need and certainly our own family and our friends. We all need that recognition. We're going to be playing a YouTube now, another YouTube by, um, uh, this one I do think is by the, both Zanders. So just hang on for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rosamond Zander, and I'm the partner of Benjamin Zander, and we have together written a book called The Art of Possibility. And we have a um, model that we're, a whole movement that we're behind in the world of, of training training people in possibility thinking and speaking. We have a very simple model. It has two diagrams, if you like, two worlds. One is the downward spiral of complaint and competition and success and failure and all the things that we spend our life worrying and thinking about. And then we have another domain, which is the art of possibility, which is radiating possibility. It's a shape with arrows going out in all directions. And you can choose which world you speak from. You can either speak from the downward spiral or you can speak from possibility. And we refer to the art of possibility as the art of going from the downward spiral to radiating possibility. And leadership is taking people with you. And the way that you can choose to go from the downward spiral or choose which one you want to speak from is in the consciousness that life is a story you tell and your life evolves out of the story you're telling. Uh, the downward spiral is a story about survival and struggle and triumph. And the, and the realm of possibility is a story about creativity and storytelling and vision. And contribution. And contribution and partnership and connection. We have a, 
very strong statement that, it, that for ourselves, that it is ourselves that we pay attention to and listen to the clients. So if a client is in a downward spiral and and we are struggling with that, then we're in a downward spiral and we'll, we'll just stay there. So our job is to move ourselves into possibility and lighten up on on everything about the downward spiral, and they will catch the tune. To quote Roz, possibility is always only one sentence away, something that's like a talisman, I have that in my ear, mm-hmm. and whenever things get tough or difficult or the mountain seems too high to climb, I remember. Possibility is always only one sentence away. So the thing is to come up with a sentence and to think what it is that we can say and also physically manifest that will take us into possibility. And it can be something very simple. And it's always there. You can never fail to find it. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My subject today is the art of possibility and amazement, and that you were listening to Rosamond and uh, Benjamin Zandon. I hope you enjoyed it. But what they said there is we are the authors of our own lives. How we choose to fill in our pages is our choice. We can't stop what's happening to us, but how we respond is our at, is in our attitude. Now, Viktor Frankl just talks about various ways, values that we have in our lives. We have the creative values, which is what we actually uh, do with our lives, what we have been given, the gifts we have been given. How do we create and how do we become those so the creative gifts are what we give out to the world We're in what we have, our, the gifts that we have. Then there are the experiential uh, gifts. And those are when we so often how we overlook the everyday wonders. The experiential gifts are received in re- the receptivity to the world, the beauty of nature, art, music, friendship, religions, Books, books, I mean, I love books. That's why I added that. And many others, I'm sure some of you will say gardening. Some of you will say your pets. Um, it's, it's in so many ways, the experiential values that we have. And then there are the attitudinal values, which are the highest values. These, are, this is how man's attitude towards the limiting factors in his life, the attitude towards unalterable fate. And let's face it, I have never yet come across anyone who is in their 70s who have not had to deal with a lot of unalterable fate in their lives. And um, and that's in their attitude. And how often I have also noticed and been blown away by people's attitudes to, towards their lives. And even when I was nursing, I was thinking the other day that I... One man that sticks out in my my mind so clearly, and I was probably 18 at the time, was a man who um, was actually the first person that I experienced dying. 
And the, the night that he, he actually passed away, he asked if I would just sit with him for a while when I was finished. I was on night duty and I told him I'd come and sit with him when I was finished doing my duties, which I did. I went and sat with him and he started telling me a bit about his life and, uh, and what he didn't want to leave. And the things he didn't want to leave were obviously his, his, his family, his children, his friends. He was very involved in, in his, his community. Um, and, and in his church. And it was wonderful to hear not once did he feel sorry for himself that he was having to leave. He actually was more worried about who he was leaving. And uh, he taught me so much about how to actually appreciate what we have in life. And his attitude has stuck with me Always, his unbelievable strength in knowing he he obviously on a on a unconscious level, I believe at the time, because when I got up to leave him that night to go on with other duties, he said to me, "Okay, well, I'll see you at seven in the morning, at uh, seven the following night." And of course, uh, I didn't see him. He he passed away during the night. I, I saw him then, but I didn't see him alive again. But certainly he's alive in my mind. And I think that is amazing. And the other thing he did teach me was that everyone needed to be spoken to in the same way, needed to be greeted in the same way. And uh, it also reminds me of the story of, of the astronaut, the, the, the toilet cleaner at NASA. And I've told the story many times, but I love it. The toilet cleaner at NASA, the American space, uh, space station, was asked, what do you do? And he said, I help put man on the moon. I love that attitude. And I think that we need to start recognizing everybody in our lives, everyone who comes in and out. And, you know, the other thing that we have to remember, that we can only give away what we ourselves have within us, our own skills, our own strengths. We can't give away from an empty jug. What are we going to pour? Emptiness. So we have to fill our own jugs first before we can even begin to think of sharing what we have with others. And that reminds me of the beggar sitting at the crossroads for many years, at least 10 years. He's sitting on this great big wooden crate. And a passerby stops and he says to the beggar, what is in your box? And the beggar said, it's empty. And the passerby said, are you sure? Have you ever opened it? And the beggar replied, I'm telling you, it's empty. And the passerby said, well, do you mind if I just look for myself and see what it is? And at this stage, the beggar was really irritated. And he said, take my word for it. It's empty. I've been sitting here for 10 years on it. And the passerby didn't give up. He still said, just let's just peep for a moment inside. Just then, the beggar decided, okay, just to get rid of this passerby, he would open the, the box and inside the box, it was filled with treasure, absolutely filled. All these years, the beggar had believed that he was poor, that he had nothing of value to share in the world or to share with himself. And that is so often what happens to us. We actually forget our own treasures, the own skills that we have learned, and 
As I watch the baby girl at our house, my little granddaughter, I realize that already in the knocks that she is taking as she learns to walk, um, and even when we have to discipline her a bit, if she smacks us in the face, as babies sometimes do, um, she is learning skills, skills of communication, skills of actually how to monitor her own behavior, how to reach out to others in a more positive way. And uh, that, that is, those are the skills that we have, the strengths we have. So many people say, we have no strengths at all, you know, we, we, and what, what is that? That is being a bystander in our own lives instead of writing our own pages as we write our own autobiography. And that is incredibly important. There's a saying, amazement never ceases for the enlightened mind. Well, I, I'm just hoping that always I will remain with this enlightened mind. And there's also another saying, open-minded people don't care to be right. They care to understand. There's never a right or a wrong answer. Everything is about understanding. I, if any of you know who that quote is from, I'd love to hear because I don't know. And if anyone has something to tell me about um, their own experiences of possibilities and amazement, please SMS us, SMS me on 34519 or WhatsApp me on 061-895-1019. I would love to hear something from you. There was a message from Benjamin saying that he had enjoyed uh, uh, some the program and this one says love your program sue i always get something out of it thank you thank you so much for that and um, i really enjoy hearing from you and i would love to know what someone feels about amazement something amazing that happened to you something quite amusing that happened this morning i was watching cnn and uh, uh, they were uh, the interviewer was uh, interviewing a husband and wife in Israel. And as so often happens in Israel, you can't get two people who can agree on the same thing. And uh, the, 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 the the interviewer said to the husband, um, "What? Who are you going to be voting for?" And he said, uh, "Gantz." And and the interviewer said, um, "Why?" And the wife said, "I ask him the same question." So I love that. So we don't always have to agree. And um, it's uh, as Carl Jung said, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And Viktor Frankl said, a human being is a deciding being. So let's hope that whatever happens in Israel, that everyone actually decides who they want to. You know, don't be a, 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 a bystander. Go and participate. I'm losing my voice at the moment, so I'm just going to actually uh, break for a break. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. I would have to take a good runner with me, I think. I don't think I'd be able to fill too much in 60 seconds. But um, you are going to be listening to another YouTube, the final one of, of today. Also, he, he uh, by um, Benjamin Zander, he does repeat himself a bit, but I'm hoping you will enjoy it. 
Probably a lot of you know the story of the two salesmen who went down to Africa in the 1900s. They were sent down to find if there was any opportunity for selling shoes. And they wrote telegrams back to Manchester. And one of them wrote, Situation hopeless. Stop. They don't wear shoes. And the other one wrote, Glorious opportunity. They don't have any shoes yet. Now, there's a similar situation in the classical music world, because there are some people who think that classical music is dying, and there are some of us who think you ain't seen nothing yet. There are 1,600 people, I believe. My estimation is that probably 45 of you are absolutely passionate about classical music. You adore classical music. Your FM is always on that classical dial, and you have CDs in your car, and you go to the symphony, and your children are playing instruments. You can't imagine your life without classical music. That's the first group. It's quite a small group. Then there's another group, bigger group. These are the people who don't mind classical music. <laughs> You know, you come home from a long day and you take a glass of wine and you put your feet up, a little Vivaldi in the background doesn't do any harm. Right? That's the second group. Now comes the third group. These are the people who never listen to classical music. It's just simply not part of your life. You might hear it like secondhand smoke at the airport, but, and, and maybe a little bit of a march from Aida when you come into the hall, but otherwise you never hear it. That's probably the largest group of all. So I'm not going to go on until every single person in this room, downstairs and in Aspen, and everybody else looking, will come to love and understand classical music. So that's what we're going to do. Now, you notice that there is not the slightest doubt in my mind that this is going to work, if you look at my face, right? <laughs> it's one of the characteristics of a leader that he not doubt for one moment the capacity of the people he's leading to realize whatever he's dreaming. Imagine if Martin Luther King had said, I have a dream! Of course, I'm not sure they'll be up to it. <laughs> How would you walk? How would you talk? How would you be if you thought everybody loves classical music? They just haven't found out about it yet. Now, I had an amazing experience. I was 45 years old. I'd been conducting for 20 years, and I suddenly had a realization. The conductor of an orchestra doesn't make a sound. My picture appears on the front of the CD. <laughs> but the conductor doesn't make a sound. He depends for his power on his ability to make other people powerful. And that changed everything for me. I realized my job was to awaken possibility in other people. And you know how you find out? You look at their eyes. If their eyes are shining, you know you're doing it. If the eyes are not shining, you get to ask a question. And this is the question. Who am I being that my player's eyes are not shining? We can do that with our children too. Who am I being that my children's eyes are not shining? And I say, it's appropriate for us to ask the question, who are we being as we go back out into the world? This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My topic today is the art of possibility and amazement, and you can WhatsApp us or me on 61 895 1019, or you can SMS me on 34519. I'd love to know your opinion on those YouTubes that I've played, if you actually enjoyed them and if they were worthwhile. And I, I, what he says about um, 
the, the, our children and our eyes. It is about empowering other people. And it's once again going back to that sense of recognition. How many people, and I would say all of us, need that recognition? We need the recognition from our family, from our husbands, our wives, our friends. We, we need to know that we are actually are cherished, are worthwhile individuals. And there's nothing like actually sharing something with uh, uh, one of your children or a grandchild or a friend about who they are. So often we wait for special opportunities. We wait for birthdays where we can write a long card about how special someone is or, um, or, or, or we wait for an occasion to do so. But what about every day? What about just letting them know every day? And when I see this little baby uh, and I recognize how often we clap for her and how often she claps for herself, I actually have to laugh because uh, I don't know who clapped for me last or who I last clapped for apart from her. And I'm really enjoying seeing her enjoyment at all the recognition that she gets. So I think that's one of the biggest things we can do. And Stephanie Darick says the greatest power we have is to lift the spirits of other people through our choices and our behavior to enhance their lives and our own. The greatest responsibility we have is to choose wisely, not just when we feel like it. The greatest liberty we have is to behave kindly and respectfully without needing a prize or praise, simply because we are free to do so. The greatest ease we have comes when we can forgive others for their human failings and complexities and forgive ourselves. The greatest peace we have is when we can play our vital part in creating harmony between ourselves and other people, regardless of differences. And then she goes on to say, I wish the very best for you, and that's definitely something worth saying to each of us, that I wish the best of you. I I do believe that... Um, Bushing the best in other people also brings out the best in us. And I've seen this even in babies in an incubator fighting for their lives. But there's somebody next to them believing in them, whether it's davening for them, praying for them, actually just believing that they can do it. And it amazes me how much People, even little babies fighting for their lives, they find the strength to live on. And how often we can help other people by empowering them, especially our children. And in today's world, which is a frightening world to, for many of them, it is so important to make them feel that they are important and they have an important role to play in this life. Next week, I'm going to be probably be talking about resilience. I have been asked to to talk about uh, losses, but there are many, many types of losses. So I'm going to actually bring in resilience with this. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Uh, and sorry, my voice is actually really going now. I'm going to have to wrap up. 
But next week, I actually would like to discuss with you something that Helen Keller wrote, which is quite amazing and is part of Resilience. And I will be back next week. You're going to be listening to uh, the song um, uh, One Moment in Time. And I just want to tell you a few of the words because I just love the words. That's why I chose the song. And it says, I want one moment in time when I'm more than I thought I could be, when all of my dreams are a heartbeat away and the answers are all up to me. Give me one moment in time when I'm racing with destiny. Then in that one moment of time, I will feel, I will feel eternity. I have lived to be the very best. I want it all. No time for less. I've laid the plans. Now lay the chance here in my hands. I will feel eternity and I'm racing with destiny. This was from the Seoul, this was written for the Seoul Olympic Games in 1988. Please enjoy it and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much.